Is there such thing as a fountain of youth? Some would say no. I would say yes. I say if you are working out, if you're doing something that makes you happy, eating a little bit better, drinking a little bit better, ultimately you're going to feel better. And if you're feeling better than a previous version of yourself a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, to me, you have found the fountain of you. And when you're around like-minded individuals, it's contagious. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it. And this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Thank you to Hydro for sponsoring this episode. Hydro is an immersive workout experience designed to bring the physical, mental, and emotional experience of on-water rowing straight to your home. Hydro workouts are quick, efficient, and low impact. Rowing for just 20 minutes a day provides you with a full body workout, which engages 86% of your major muscle groups. For context, cycling engages 44%. Head to hydro.com to check them out. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com to learn more. Be sure to use the code FTLR100 to save $100 on your order. This episode is brought to you by Freedom Solar Power. When I first started looking into solar, I thought it would be a clunky and expensive process. I've learned it isn't nearly as hard as you think. Freedom Solar Power makes it simple. They provide a turnkey solution that is focused on educating their customers on the experience from installation to everyday use and savings. They ensure you have all the information needed to make sure going solar is right for you. From firsthand experience, it makes sense both financially and for the environment. With no down payment required, solar not only adds immediate value to your home, but it's also great for the environment and might even provide immediate savings, not to mention the year-end tax benefits, a credit of 26% this year. Freedom Solar operates in Texas, Colorado, Virginia, and Florida, and there are plenty of other great options nationwide. This episode is brought to you by Gooder. Gooder has the slickest shades around for only $25 and $35. They don't slip or bounce, and they stay on my face way better than more expensive sunglasses do. If you'd like to support me in the show, treat yourself to a pair or two or three of Gooders and head over to Gooder.com and get 15% off your entire order with the code FTLR. That's 15% off at gooder.com, code FTLR. Your face will thank you. Welcome back. I have Bertrand Newson joining me on the podcast today. Bertrand, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Jonathan, my sincere pleasure. So the first question of this podcast is always a challenging one. Uh, who is Bertrand? Excellent question. I mean, I find myself after 53 years uh, trying to figure that out sometimes. What I can say with absolute certainty, Jonathan, is that I am the happiest version of myself at this stage in my life. And why is that? Formerly a hotel executive for more years than I'd like to say. The business was very good to me. I managed hotels in the Bay Area and got into running a little bit later in life. And I couldn't be happier. Um, probably 2010, 2011, when I really um, got traction with running. I've always been an active athlete you know, growing up. Um, time at the gym from a strength standpoint, but running is just a different level, as you know. 
runner to runner. Um, that's how we had a chance to meet. And we'll talk about that story as our, our conversation continues. But I'm, the, you know, um, a father, brother, son, um, the oldest of six, and currently a full-time running coach and uh, residing here in San Jose, California, South Bay, Silicon Valley. Um, active runner, uh, now I think approaching marathon number 64, 300-plus um, timed events, and enjoying every moment. So that is a microcosm, little snapshot, uh, bullet point version of Coach B. Um, lots of collaborations and wonderful people that I've met in this business um, that are now my closest friends. And it's afforded me the opportunity to see many wonderful cities in this great country of ours. We got a chance to explore Austin together on foot um, back in February. So yeah, that's a little bit about Coach B. Very cool. I love it. And uh, when we first met, you were just like all about fun. Everything is is about fun. And I think that that's, it's such an important aspect. It's something I talk about at length on the podcast. And I pulled you aside a couple of days into the retreat and uh, we had a we had a pretty fun chat about did. Um, decision making related to like racing and running and you know where how to find the north star and and sort of what what emotions to follow. So I'm sure we'll dive into that as well, but I'm curious. Um, you said you got into running a bit later in life. What what was the impetus for for that change? <laughs> That's a great question. Let's see here. Going back to, let's see, 07, 2007, I was my partner at the time. She was a runner and, you know, she had done a couple of half marathons. And I remember getting out to a local uh, rock and roll event that typically happened in October and you know, at the finish line with the signs, you know, with her daughter and my daughter out there and seeing people, Jonathan, that in some cases were 10, 15, 20 years my senior, but looked happy and young at heart and having a good time, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm a little curious now. And knowing that my partner at the time had run a couple of half marathons, I tried to run just one mile. And it was an incredibly humbling experience. Um, certainly north of probably 10 minutes um, per mile pace. And I learned quickly, you get out of running what you put into it. And me being competitive by nature, um, being able to string together a couple of workouts, you could slowly see some progress measuring time and distance. And I've always been a planner. I love people. I think that's why I spent so much time in the hospitality business. I entered a team for the 2011 Oakland Running Festival. It was a marathon relay. So four of us, I was uh, the least experienced runner on that squad. I, uh, Since I was the organizer, I picked the shortest distance, but unknowingly, it was the heeliest. You know, it had a, a lot of ascent. So I learned quickly that you have to dress the part. And I did not. I had uh, sweatpants, hoodie, beanie, gloves, um, overdressed. And, you know, at that time, I'm probably, you know, 225, 230, running uphill, struggling, sweating. And I saw very quickly, Jonathan, that the running community was incredibly open and friendly because I had people give me a pat on the back. They can read me and say, okay, this is a new kid on the block. <laughs> um, but they said, just, you know, one foot in front of the other, pat on the back, high fives, fist pumps. And I eventually got the timing chip to uh, leg number three runner. And I felt pretty good about that. 
I managed to make my way to the finishing area and watched our leg four run across the finish line. And there in Oakland, looking on both sides of the finishing shoot with attendees and fans 25 deep on both sides, it felt like the freaking Olympics to me. So I was amped up and the camaraderie I loved about it. And from there I was hooked. You know, I think I did about maybe 15 to 20 plus races after that in that calendar year. Um, Less than a year from that date, I ran my first marathon in San Francisco and have been, you know, um, staying active from a cardio standpoint ever since and in helping involve other people in that process too. So we had a pretty similar beginning in running. I was spectating uh, the Boston Marathon in 2013 and I had a, a very similar visceral, like, wow, look at all these people of different shapes and sizes and ages and they're all doing it. And the way I tell the story is I was a cocky 22 year old. So of course I said, I can do this too. And I did. <laughs> and here we are. But um, I think that is that is really cool that you saw yourself or you saw you saw your the ability to do that as well. And you saw people having so much fun uh, and just living. And from everything I hear about how you coach and the information you're putting out for you and your athletes, it truly is about the celebration. So can you talk a little bit about how you got to that as your North Star and as your sort of guiding principle when it comes to athletics? Yeah, thank you. Um, allows me to drill down and, and tap into the why. Um, let's see here. I think I've always been a bit of an optimist. That has been my emotional compass. And you, know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I believe that everybody wants to do good, Jonathan. I really believe that. And as relates to running, I've seen that. that some people just need to find out what their why is. And that if you continue to apply yourself, ultimately you're going to have some emotional breakthroughs. You're going to have some uh, physical fitness breakthroughs. And some people just looking for some support and positive energy. Because what we do know, every time you turn on the TV, there's always something negative one way or another. So when we're able to gravitate to something that is positive, and is there such thing as a fountain of youth? Some would say no. I would say yes. I say if you are working out, if you're doing something that makes you happy, eating a little bit better, drinking a little bit better, ultimately you're going to feel better. And if you're feeling better than a previous version of yourself a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, to me, you have found the fountain of youth. And when you're around like-minded individuals, it's contagious. And it's so cool. Now, being a coach, I get a chance to learn about people's journeys from kind of behind the scenes. And for individuals to have, in their own words, the best version of them, the healthiest version that is not always measured by time and distance and PRs and PBs, um, but for them to feel as happy as they ever have. And we're health and wellness and fitness fellowship is having a role in that is fantastic. Coupled with being able to cover time and distance faster than they ever have at whatever age they're at is pretty cool. So to run your first 5K or to run your fastest 5K, to be a part of someone who, regardless of pace, because if that's someone who's completing their 5K at a 15-minute pace for our team, we celebrate that like they just BQ'd. You know, or like they just, you know, qualified for Kona. And 
of course, those individuals that are gifted, that have been putting in the work, that have went to Boston, who've you know have gone to, to Kona and the uh, World Championship Ironman, we celebrate them just as much as the everyday blue-collar mother, son, brother, student athlete, um, just by getting one foot out the door is a victory for most, especially looking at how we came out of 2020 and 2021 with a lot of angst and hardship and health concerns, um, mental health concerns as well. Fitness has been a common thread to allow us to have some sense of normalcy now that we're kind of emerging on the other side of the pandemic, knock on wood, as we have another variant that is looming in parts of uh, our great country. But uh, yeah, again, that just kind of gives you a, an idea on the optimism and the positivity. And I think, again, everyone innately wants to do well. They want to be the best version of themselves. And um, having being around people that can give you a little bit of perspective and take away all those valid excuses, because there is a lot of things that can say, you know, what? am I being selfish by wanting to go out and run or go to the gym? No, you're not, because... The best version of you, the, the healthiest version of you emotionally and physically is better for everybody else in your life, your family, your partner, your coworkers. So it's okay to do things that make you happy. This is now the third podcast of three in a row where that's been uh, highlighted, that running and doing, taking an hour or two hours out of the day for yourself is not selfish. It's actually allowing you to to give the best version of yourself to those around you. So um, I didn't even have to fish that out of you. That was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love I love that so much. Um, and that background helps me to understand where you were coming from with the conversation that we had in Austin. Um, so I had pulled Coach B aside, and uh, again, he had made a comment about finding fun, doing things that are fun, and I was personally grappling with decision making around racing um, in 2022. And do you remember? Do you remember what your your response was? I'm going back to those first few days, maybe day two, day one, day two of of Austin uh, at a running retreat with Endeavor Run. Yeah. Um, let's see. Was it surrounding for me when I'm, I find myself at the crossroads? You know, if we're chasing finish lines. Or chasing finish times, and we sometimes we find ourselves questioning: Okay, am I happy putting in the work, and and why? Or can I just enjoy getting out and staying active? And what is speaking to us at that time is: Does racing speak to me right now? Do I want to put an A race on the calendar at a point during the year where I want to uh, have my training peak? And I can potentially, you know, uh, have a PB or that's my ticket to uh, BQing and potentially go to Boston in 2023 or 2024. Or am I at a stage where I'm at a crossroads where I find myself kind of in this gray area? And I, well, you were pretty clear at the onset of that conversation that you're like, you know what, coach, I'm trying to find it. You know, I I'm maybe is not as driven as I have been because I think you had already had a uh, personal best marathon performance. I think, did you break the sub three mark? Yep. Yes, that's huge. And all the training that goes into that is fantastic. But it's only natural, especially when you're a working professional, 
well, maybe if you're, you know, relocating and moving, you know, a lot of different moving parts and trying to get settled, um, when we may tend to, to question, why am I doing this? And am I really having fun? Can you have fun in a marathon training block? Can you have fun in an ultra marathon training block? When life is happening around us as well. So I think that's when, kind of where our conversation was was in that space. Yeah, and your your outcome or your your guidance was normally people come to me not having fun and thinking that putting a race on the calendar uh, will make it fun or make it meaningful. And and you were like, you're in this unique situation where you've found the fun and you don't need the race for it. Um, and so it was, it was a little bit of like, a this feels good to be validated that like, this is okay. I was like, this is weird. And you're like, no, this is like, this is where you want to be. And, right. and so it was the like reframing of it for me that was really helpful. And I, I'm still in that place. Like I'm running a, a 26 K in, in June and then pacing a friend at Western States the next week. And like, that's what I'm training for. I'm training so I can, you know, run 30 miles with Zoe um, versus like, dude, that is so freaking cool, man. Yeah. I mean, that right there, I mean, paying it forward, not making it about self, being there to support somebody on their potentially, you know, a pinnacle moment in an iconic race in Western States 2022. And knowing the state that that individual is going to be in when you are able to, to pace them and the impact you're going to have. And you just, again, being completely giving back to endurance sports on what it's given you. And there'll be a point when, you know, you'll be paced on an ultra marathon, potentially. You may want to run Western States at some point when you're a, a young guy with a, you know, a huge upside in the sport. But being able to pay it forward and to pay somebody um, is super cool, man. Absolutely love that. I am looking forward to it. So let's let's talk about Endeavor Run, eighty uh, twenty coaching in in general. You went from the hospitality industry where you are basically helping other people all the time to another industry where you're helping people all the time. Um, how did that How did that shift occur for you? Voices. <laughs> I was hearing voices again. I made that decision, Jonathan, pre pandemic. The voices in 2019 um, were clear to me. And I was living, you know, living in the South Bay in San Jose, California, and working in San Francisco. So for our listeners, that is a 60 to 65 mile drive one way, 120 plus miles round trip. And with Bay Area traffic, Silicon Valley in San Francisco, sometimes the commute getting into the office was two and a half, three hours. And sometimes coming back could be that as much. But doing that for a decade and never complaining about it. But at some point in looking at what was making me happy, where I was having my high watermarks within my my life week, it always was with social fitness. It was always activities with the running club or the running community. Not always me running my own race, but me being out on group runs, facilitating group runs, networking, partnering, um, pacing, paying it forward, rooting on runners, you know, those back of the Packers to the finish line, that lit me up. And um, I think in 2017, 2018, I got my RRCA coaching certification. Um, I've been called Coach B for uh, many years, but I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome. 
It's like, well, if I love this so much, it's time for me to go ahead and level up and invest in the craft and learn more of it so I can have a, a, a bit of a, um, to give some advice with confidence and some accreditation. So in 2019, Thanksgiving timeframe, I let my employer know that, you know, I'm going to be taking a break and taking a departure. Um, it's been It's been great. I'll stay on board to train my replacement, which I did for three months and uh, left right before our world changed, right before the pandemic. And I have never looked back. Um, I started doing podcasts with a good friend of mine who I met by way of running back in 2013. And we started up our podcast in the peak of the pandemic in I think May of 2020. And you know how wonderful it is to, as you're asking me, hey, be share your story. Um, I enjoy that. I know my story quite well, but uh, being able to uh, have a first-hand seat and understand people's life ebb and flow and what pivotal moments um, has been really, really cool. And my journey from a coaching perspective, again, the voices I was hearing and asking myself, what makes me happy? It led to going in 100% into coaching. It led to a uh, relationship change of 13 years. Um, it led to me moving and betting on myself. And I have not looked back. It's been at times, um, you know, I uh, wouldn't say scary, but absolutely reassuring and validating that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, Jonathan. I'm supposed to be helping people in one way or another be happier and healthier versions of themselves since I'm a you know, I'm an older runner and I have a lot of life experience. I think I bring that level of perspective and maturity and levity and a sense of humor, the importance of finding some, you can have fun while doing fartleks. You can have fun while doing a long run and not take it so seriously. It's important to put in the work and hold people accountable um, to help them hold themselves accountable and, and, and be open to still learning the craft being able to network with other coaches, be able to listen and hear some of the hiccups and hurdles that the athletes have experienced, and that it's a mutually curated uh, partnership and not the coach's plan only. This is how you're supposed to do it. No, it has to be a joint effort to get total buy-in, total participation, and um, just being able to share the the journey together that I find incredibly fulfilling. And you know, let's see, full-time coach in 2020, I am busy and I don't do a lot of, hey, I'm a running coach, everybody. Come buy a training plan. Let me help you train. It's it's typically by word of mouth. And that's, it's very humbling. And I I, I couldn't be in a better position. So. My friend Megan Roche uh, said on her podcast with David, who is my coach, mindfulness is paying attention to what makes your light shine. Powerful. Um, I think you're, you're, you're doing exactly that. You've understood and, and found something that you're here for. Um, story I love to tell on this podcast and in life in general is the last conversation I ever had with my grandfather was, why are we here, basically? And he was saying uh, he's proud of his time on earth. He's proud of uh, being the, the patriarch of the family and everything that he was able to do for his kids and his grandkids. And he said, the meaning of life is to leave the world a better place than when you entered it. And you're, you're living that every day. You're helping people find the best versions of themselves. And there isn't a better 
pursuit. Thank you. We are. We are. Thank you for that. But yeah, we are. Um, and I think for so many years, Jonathan, I know that I was ignoring that voice. You know, my, my father is, you know, 23 years served in the army and then a second career in law enforcement. My mother was an educator all of her uh, adult life and work ethic and that generation never made any excuses. So for me, as, as I've gotten to, you know, the private sector and, and, and working as a hotel executive, it's just what you're supposed to do. Good work ethic afforded you other opportunities, promotions. Uh, you know, I worked for smaller hotel brands, independent boutiques, Marriott, Hilton, larger big box brands as well. All that experience served me very well. But the voice that many of us ignore, either if you're in a relationship, you know something's not right, you can take time to make it better. If you know your health is not right, we can take time and do things to feel better, to be healthier. Um, from a work standpoint, if you feel that you're questioning like, man, the money is good. six figures. This is cool. Living in California, Bay Area, hotel business. This is great. But is it? Am I truly happy? And then being able to look at your emotional equalizer or that emotional Richter scale and see the high points. Okay. What's the common denominator? When am I happiest? When I'm commuting into work? Hmm. Nope. In, you know, preparing a business um, budget presentation? Mm. Nope. Um, is it the the training the the training run with the local uh, uh, San Francisco uh, Nike Run Club? Well, that's pretty cool. After a long day, I feel like I have a ton of energy. Okay. On the weekend, is it sleeping in all day? Is your high point? Nope. Is it that group run? Yes. And then uh, uh, breakfast afterwards with the team. Yes. So looking at what is making you happy, and then. Can you sustain that? And I, I mentioned this phrase or term or emotions on a previous conversation via podcast about a month and a half ago. I'm a millionaire right now, Jonathan. The emotional equity that I am getting from what I do for a living, I feel like I'm I'm a, a millionaire ten times over. You know, it's priceless. I've won the emotional lottery, and we all have that in us. You know, if we can just stop and assess and be real with ourselves, we can find sustainable happiness. And again, it doesn't mean I'm going to do 10 races and I'm going to get progressively faster in each race. For some of us, we can measure it and feel good about that. We can hang our hat on that because it's tangible. We can measure, we can see. Um, but there's also something to say for just feeling better and healthier overall. And a challenge that I have for all of my friends and family is every birthday, are you going to be happier? Are you going to be healthier? Can you level up year over year? You can. And as we are, we aging, we are, but it doesn't mean that we're getting um, slower necessarily. We can be healthier and not be as fast. We can be healthier and not be as strong. We can always be happier and strive for that year over year. You know, some people will say, you know, let me get on the training plan and, you know, in three months I want to feel like X. I get that. But year over year for your birthday is a nice little um, way to kind of put an anchor on a future date and measure up. How am I doing? And I'm happy to say my birthday was um, two and a half weeks ago. High water mark. 
you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that way. Thanks again to Hydro for supporting the podcast. I've been enjoying my Hydro to fit in bonus cardio that doesn't take much time at all, as even a 10 to 15 minute row feels like a solid workout. It's a fun experience to be able to row on familiar routes or explore new ones on the water. Head to hydro.com, that's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com to learn more. Be sure to use the code FTLR100 to save $100 on your order. Thanks again to Freedom Solar Power for supporting this episode of the podcast and our environment by providing an easy green energy source. The buying process was fascinating and eye-opening, and I am excited to pay my learnings forward. If you're curious about going solar in your home, message me on Twitter or Instagram, and I'd be happy to help your journey by providing some great resources. Freedom Solar is a full-service solar company that's been installing solar panels and backup power systems since 2007. They operate in Texas, Colorado, Virginia, and Florida. Not in any of those states? Don't fret, my parents have the same panels from SunPower that were installed by a different company in Massachusetts. SunPower is the best in the business, and that's what Freedom Solar uses. I've enjoyed working with the whole team over at Freedom Solar, and I'm sure you will too. One of the things I've learned from doing over 200 episodes with elite athletes and high performers is that those who define success in a subjective way that they control, similar to how you're outlining it here, are often the happiest and often also achieve the highest amount of tangible success. So defining success subjectively leading to objective success. Yes. Different definition. But anyway, again, you're you're this is what you're doing, whether you whether you know it or not. Is is this intentional? And and I'm also curious how you would define success. Well let's let's go back to our time in Austin, you know, I I was one of a, a couple people within our uh, retreat with Endeavor Run that was participating in the Austin Race Weekend. They had a 5K, half marathon, and marathon. And little old Coach B said, "All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm in town. I think it's meant to be for me to 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 toe the line for another marathon." Now I felt I was in shape to run probably 30 minutes faster than I finished. And I had to make a choice, probably at mile eight, um, mentally. Am I going to feel this course has beat me? Or am I going to be able to find the right mindset and soak up every freaking mile, knowing that there are going to be people two, three, four hours behind the time that I finished potentially on the struggle bus um, that I signed up for it and that I was going to enjoy every step in Austin. And I did. And a really cool story that I'll share briefly. I met one of my client athletes for the first time in person there, Samuel Pappas. Samuel was a military veteran um, by way of the Air Force, 57 years young, lives in Florida. And when I met him, he had only done one live race. It was a half marathon two months before. And he was in town to run his very first marathon. So I got a chance to meet him. This is somebody who weighed over 300 pounds, somebody um, 5'4", at 1.300 pounds, um, PTSD, tons of medication, 
and by he, him finding fitness, by him finding running long before he met Coach B, I will say, he found that it was a great source of therapy for him. It reduced his uh, medication intake. He now weighs under 140 pounds. And this is somebody who in 2018 had his first hip replacement and in 2019 had his second hip replacement. So um, it's, it's situations like that, people like that, where it's all about perspective and that we are in control of our happiness just as we can change how we approach life, how we embrace life. And of course, we have to invest and make some, you know, less alcohol here, making more time to eat a little bit healthier, the profound changes for that individual. And he's become a friend for life. That's such a cool story and such cool progress of doing something for yourself and probably not realizing how much of an impact it can have. But it can, as you've seen over and over, it it can snowball. I, I want to dive into how you get in the mindset that you were in in Austin. So you said mile eight, you had to have a, you know, conversation with yourself. <laughs> um, I, I've had that same conversation at mile eight. Uh, it was Boston 2017. And I I finished that race with sore biceps and triceps from fist pumping oh, and, and lifting, lifting my arms yeah. up and down. And, you know, I ran an hour over goal time on that day, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. And to me, I'm able to, to make that switch easily when I still, I want to have fun. I want to, you know, I, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to break three on the day, so may as well, you know, chalk up a victory in another way. Right. How did, how do you get there? How do you make that switch um, so that you don't see a race as a failure, even if you're, time is, you know, 30 minutes or an hour slower? Excellent question, because I think a lot of our counterparts, our fellow runners on race day, get it wrong in the sense of when the, the day's not going their way, when they go out a little too too strong, when they um, are in a positive split situation and they find themselves on the struggle bus um, or GI issues arise or the, it's warmer than they thought or the course has more hills than they thought, that you can still find the way to immerse yourself in the experience. And I like a little bit of adversity. I do. That's why I love marathons, because ultimately at some point during that 26.2 journey, you're going to have to kind of react on the fly. You're going to have your body maybe not be where you think it is. And just like in life, if you continue moving forward, in most cases, you're going to be all right. Keep pressing forward. So I made that choice because at the time, I was running for the first eight miles with my friend and athlete, Samuel, and my partner, Rebecca. And I had to take a bathroom break at mile eight. And I was not going to say, wait for me. No. Protocol is you keep it moving. Run your race. I felt I wasn't shape enough. Maybe I might be able to catch my, my partner. Um, but I knew once I was back on the course that that might be a stretch. And I was thinking, okay, I'm already kind of feeling it right now. And I'm not even at the halfway point. And I'm going to have to run the rest of this course by myself, which I was looking forward to finishing with Samuel as part of his very first marathon and Rebecca. And I'm not going to ask them to pull back and wait for me. That would be unfair. Um, and then Foon, Coach Foon, 
at mile 12, uh, he was waiting for me, got some positive vibes from him. And I was just trying to get from one mile to the next. You know, mile eight turns into mile nine. Run the mile you're in. Mile nine turns into mile 10. Get to the halfway point. And um, lo and behold, Rebecca is waiting for me there at mile 13. And we ran shoulder to shoulder for the balance of the race. And it was super cool because it allowed me to really soak up that wonderful city of Austin, the hospitality of that wonderful city. Um, the spectators out on that course and it made the hills that we encountered uh, more bearable and um, there you can always find learnable teachable moments when you feel that it's not going as you expected and it wasn't the best race for me time and distance wise but I could have had an emotional PR on that course you know you can find ways to um where it is, um, you get emotional traction through the experience, and it was enriching. I look forward to running that race again in the future. And I could have very easily been sour and woe is me. It's so tough, disconnected, um, not engaged with my fellow runners, um, been sour face, casting negative energy out, and nobody needs that. There are enough people out there that are just trying to, you know, make it to the half marathon finish, let alone the marathon finish. And I remember. After um, we finished and then making my way back to the team house, I still see people out there, you know, that are probably going to be north of, you know, six, six and a half, seven hours um, on that course. And those individuals right there, but I could, I could have not come back to the house and rooted every other runner on because I love that rooting on those individuals that are just, you know, um, wishing and probably questioning, why did I sign up? And I was having this conversation with people, remember why you signed up, you know, um, and knowing that it was a first time experience for some of them that nobody could ever take away in them being called a marathoner, regardless of the time. It's very rare that someone says, oh, you're a marathoner. What was your finishing time? Oh, you ran 604? Ah, whatever. No, it's like, wait, what? You did what? You ran 20 something miles? 26 miles? Priceless. Yeah, when when you reframe it to I get to do this and I chose to do this, I think it's it's such a powerful reframing, um, particularly when things get hard. I like to think about that when when I'm in it, when I'm in the moment, and I think about like when I'm injured and like how how much of a privilege it is that like pressure is a privilege. Yes, and, and we get to do this. I broke my foot in may of last may may of last year and i was the happiest broken footed coach in america that was my <laughs> moniker ah this is great i it does it suck ah you guys are to know would i prefer to ha not have a broken foot of course do i have a compelling story of why i broke my foot i don't it was a freak accident but i'm like i'm going i made a decision very early on i'm going to enjoy recovery i'm going to learn so if I have athletes that get injured on whatever level, that I can best support them and give them advice so they can cope and still be active. Um, I had a Lululemon, Lululemon uh, photo shoot in the first week and a half of my broken foot that probably, because I was doing plyo jumps during that, and that probably, before I was officially diagnosed, it was a broken fourth metatarsal that almost required surgery. And you know, you met me before, Jonathan. I'm not, you know, 
five foot four and 128 pounds, you know, um, I'm now what do I, I'm six one and probably 195. So I'm a big, I'm a big marathon runner. Um, but I love, I love the sport. If I'm running one mile or teaching a, a speed workout or facilitating a weekend group run, I love everything about it and the mindset because it's a choice. Um, it's real easy to be, well, who else is running as fast or who else is doing what distance? Can't be concerned about everybody else and what they are doing. I have to enjoy myself because I'm casting out that energy of positivity. If people see coach, um, and I have my days where it's like, oh man, this is this is a bit of a grind, but I still lean into it. It's like, all right, you know, how can we work, how can we work through this? Because that's what the everyday runner is dealing with as well. So Endeavor Run must have been your happy place. Oh man. I mean, when I got the opportunity, I was like a kid in a candy store. I would just wanted to go as a participant. And then when uh, you know, Coach Jake Tuber and Coach Matt said, Hey, Coach B, there's an opportunity for you to go and be one of the facilitators, like oh, I'm all in. You know, I am all in. And yes, meeting some super wonderful individuals from all across the United States and hearing where they were at and why they were there and how they were able to navigate and cope through the pandemic and the optimism coming back with live races happening and everyone seeing how social fitness is a great means to cope. It's a great means to network and meet like-minded individuals, potential friends for life. And a couple of those people that, I mean, you're stuck with coach Jonathan. Well, well, you know, I, I know that already. I knew that then when we had that conversation on day one or day two, um, so yes, I loved everything about the Endeavor Run experience, and I'm glad that we'll be, you know, headed to Boulder in August. So, yeah, super cool. Yeah the 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 Boulder experience was was interesting. Um, I was there as a sponsor, and since I lived around the corner, I didn't stay in the house, and so the the experience in Austin, like being in it was, was super cool. Um, and to see how Jake led everyone through on the, on the mental side of things, but also just like how he, the way I described it is he just sort of like everything builds on each other and, and he does things and he leads conversations on that Sunday that he doesn't have the ability to, to do that on Thursday night or on Friday. And it's sort of like building the group's trust in each other to be able to go there with, with the group. And I, it's a really intentional experience. And he's a genius in how he can oh, and how he can do it. And it's it's cool to see how he pulls in so many different voices and people with different experience. And um, yeah, it's very very cool to see. Yeah, I agree. And it is. Um... It's innate for him. Um, it's an art. Uh, he's a, a you know leading the orchestra, so to speak, and his ability just to make people feel comfortable while um, uh, having moments of. I mean, he's funny. You know, he's got a great sense of humor and more people to kind of let their guard down. And we use those some examples very early on of your first day at school, your first day in the new job. And to put ourselves in the shoes of the um, the attendees, 
who in some cases had not traveled this way. And we were still coming out of the Omicron spike. So we had those concerns about being in an enclosed space, all the forethought and for everyone to feel comfortable and the, the growing progression of feeling that this is where I'm supposed to be and all things fitness, but all things, all things life as well. And the, the level, the depth of conversation, especially as we got, you know, to Sunday afternoon, evening, um, I found myself speaking to uh, two, individuals, two individuals in our little cluster groups on just very deep matters that, you know, on day one, I thought, well, we, I never had this conversation. I wouldn't have it with, you know, people that are that have known me for 20 years. So that's the environment that Coach Jake was able to, to foster. And I think that's, you know, part of the secret sauce, that it is more than just about time and distance and pace and effort. There's uh, emotional um, training that is happening and, and connections that are happening as part of that experience as well that I think separates Endeavor Run from other running retreats. Totally. And then there's the aspect of 80-20 and Matt Fitzgerald and all of the quirks that, <laughs> that he brings to the table. Yeah, that dude, but... man. I tell you. Um, yeah, one of the best things that has happened to me, and I don't think things happen by accident. I think Matt and I's our, our paths were meant to cross. And I've been a fan of his as a avid reader of some of his books. Met him at a race expo in 2018. Uh, he was uh, signing books. Uh, I think Life is a Marathon had just been released around that time. So I recognized him, um, got a couple of books autographed, and then we stayed in contact. Let him that I was in the hospitality business. I hosted a book signing for him in San Francisco. And then a second book signing at a running store that I have a good rapport with in the South Bay. Um, we actually went to Atlanta and watched the U.S. Olympic marathon time trials together, which was super cool. I mean, it doesn't get any better for me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a running geek. And to be out there hanging out with Coach Matt um, the night, two days before his marathon, um, I think he was second Masters overall. I think he ran two, sub 250, if I'm not mistaken. That dude was destroying fried chicken. Um, I never saw somebody eat as much, you know, pre pre race, um, especially you know, masters uh, level runner like that. And he was just so cool. He was with my brother and, and friends, made us all feel comfortable. And you know, we're all blue collar everyday runners, but uh, he made the time for us. And um, you know, our friendship has flourished to the point now where. We're both um, co-directors of the 8020 Endurance Foundation, and we're in the midst of the inaugural year of the Coaches of Color Initiative, where it's a year-long apprenticeship with $1,000 a month, uh, giving people of color the opportunity to become endurance professionals. And we're, you got a chance to meet Jessica um, at the Endeavor Run Retreat in Austin. She's our first apprentice. She's doing fantastic. She's a certified coach with an emphasis on trail running. Um, and we're in the midst of, um, hopefully before the year is over, having another two, potentially three apprentice in this year-long apprenticeship, giving them every opportunity, meeting with industry experts, coaches, PTs, helping them develop a business plan because the importance of a coach, much like teachers or elders in your life, aunts, uncles, grandparents, 
they can have a pivotal lifelong impact. And you can think back on your own, uh, Jonathan, from a school standpoint with um, instructors, teachers, professors. Um, you mentioned your grandfather, your parents, and other individuals. Coaches have that same opportunity to inspire, to show what is possible. And to a lot of minorities, um, some of those opportunities aren't readily available. So to help coaches in minority communities, they just have exponentially an opportunity to help a young mind um, or even somebody who's been around the block from an adult standpoint to get active and to make good life decisions that can be sustainable. And that's a good thing. So um, I think we're, yeah, we're, on the verge of making some um, announcements in regards to some good partnerships moving forward. So yeah, we're, we're very pleased. And that's kind of work, man. It's, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like, you know, something that is what we're here to do now that we're, you know, Matt and I are on the other side of 50 and it's less about how many races and personal best and all other good stuff. It's more about using our platform and our experience and our voice to, move the needle for other individuals. I love that. Uh, what, is it, what does it feel like for you to potentially have someone look at you and say, I see myself, I want to do that, and then do that? It's, um, it's pretty damn cool, man. I mean, uh, I, I paused because it uh, struck an emotional chord with me. I've had some wonderful coaches, uh, had some wonderful mentors, and some of them uh, are no longer with us. And it's know the, the impact when you're able to connect with someone who's had like experience, who's walked in your shoes, who could see better versions of yourself before you can, that can give you a sense of hope and direction and validation and the ability just to relate is huge. Just feeling comfortable and saying, I see a part of myself in you, or you see me in this light. You feel that I can do X, Y, and Z. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's life-changing. So being on this side of it and leaning into it, it's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's what Coach Matt is supposed to be doing right now. And, um, you know, we have, we, we have a lot of work to do and the pool, the initial pool of, um, apprentice for the coaches of color grant, we had worldwide interest. We had individuals that we had former Olympians. We had, uh, doctors, cardiologists, people that were questioning, am I doing what I love or how can I make a bigger impact? And they saw relevance in our mission. And, and we could have chosen 10 people, but it was clear that Jessica was the right choice. And that's been validated every single day. I had the good fortune of mentoring her the entire month of March. She was on coaching calls with me, introduced her to some of my most profound coaching mentors. And I mean, she's going to do wonderful things in this endurance space um, as, a, as a, a woman of color. What a cool experience and what a what a cool way to mold the future and you know have have a legacy that um, 
will last for quite a while. Um, I could go on and on and on with you. We could go for hours. Uh, maybe we'll have to do a live, <laughs> a live version and mm-hmm. uh, when you're out here in Boulder. But I guess my last question, um, you've talked a lot about taking risks and, and shooting your shot and believing in yourself and believing that there is, there is a better way. You know, you, you had, um, you had it right. You had the, uh, the American dream, quote unquote, a good job, a relationship, et cetera. Conventionally, you know, America would dictate that as success. You didn't see that as success. You wanted more. I've been in a similar relationship or a similar place in a relationship where three years in, I was like, this isn't right, but it was comfortable and it was, but, but it needed to change. And then, uh, ironically, I spent some time in California and came back and I was like, I, I, I need way more change anyway. Um, so I probably a very different experience, but similar nonetheless. Um, so I can definitely relate to that. So I'm curious for someone who's, who's out there listening, thinking, man, I've been, I've been wanting to make a change or I, everything that coach B is saying is striking a chord and, you know, I, I got to do something. What are you saying to that person? I'll take a line from one of my favorite movies that um, I like to share with friends. I'll post it on my social channels from time to time. My favorite movie is Shawshank, and it was a line by Morgan Freeman who said, living or get busy dying. So life is short, and why not enjoy ourselves as best as possible? And we can just look back to the last two years for all of us to realize that life is short and you are in control. We are in control of our happiness. So believe in yourself. Does it mean go and quit your job? I mean, nah, not necessarily, but could that allow you to find a better, more happier version of yourself doing something that you really enjoy? Can you volunteer your time? Can you still maintain your current gig? and do something else? Can you find time to give back, to pay it forward, um, to, you know, mentor at a school, to read to youth, um, to volunteer at a charity, um, to run a 5k, not for time necessarily, but because you're raising funds and awareness to something that means something to you, because maybe a family member that's passed away, finding relevancy that way is huge, but believe in your ability to be a happier version of yourself. You can do it. You can. And as Ted Lasso says, believe and believe. Yeah. <laughs> Coach B, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time today. Uh, this, was, uh, this was so fun and uh, we'll see you out there. Thank you, Jonathan. It was my sincere pleasure and honor. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo is created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. <laughs>